Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write... We talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Well, hello. This is Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Simply Write, the podcast where we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. That's a mouthful, right? But it's a job. As much as I love to create and develop new ideas into, you know, articles or essays or books, there's also the job of it, the marketing and the developing the new ideas and working with editors and publishers. And, and in order to create a sustainable career, we have to learn about all of it and talk about all of it. And that's what we're doing here each week. So today I'm super excited. We're going to talk about the evolution of ideas. We're going to talk about uh, moving into the children's market, writing picture books and poetry and everything else, because we have Katie Ode on the show today. Today. She is the author of the newly released Every Other Christmas. Go get this book. It's about a young child who spends every other Christmas, which many can relate to, celebrating the differing traditions between her African-American and Colombian sides of their family. Katie took that experience and put it into a holiday children's book. Get it now. This is no small step, writing a picture book, Katie, but I wasn't stuck on this. It wasn't the book got me. You also taught algebra <laughs> that is the part that had me quaking in my boots i uh i'm a very cliche writer that i write because i don't math basically welcome katie Odie to the show thank you so much i'm excited to be here thank you now is this your first book it's the first book that has been published. I've written 10 books and this is on the um, later end of those 10. So first book that's been published uh, traditionally, yes. Now that is not an uncommon story. I know many authors that have books in their drawer or have come out with other. What was different about this one? What happened that got this through the publishing house? Um, honestly, it, it was, a, Publishing gatekeeping really uh, is a big thing. Um, I got an agent finally after, let's see, I joined SCBWI, which is, you know, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators in 2012. Um, and I did have a lot of life going on in between there. So I will, you know, fairly say that. I was not able to land an agent until, wow, I, I know that's bad, but I don't remember how long it took. I want to say maybe 2019 um, or yeah, 2019. And I knew her before she became an agent. So I was her first. Uh, she signed me as soon as she became an agent because she loved my writing. And I was her first sale. So she was able to sell every other Christmas within the first year of her being wow. an agent. So, how did that yeah. feel after all those years with things in the drawer? You, you launched like that. <laughs> 
you know what? After be after you know so much time went by, I was super excited, but it almost felt anticlimactic because at that time I was just like doing other stuff, and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I just kind of like was like, okay, well, what's you know what's next? And um, it wasn't until my family saw the book and went nuts that I realized and my friends like people were crying and championing me and I'm like you know what this is a this is a it's a big deal it was always a big deal to me but it was almost like I I was so you know you have to steal your emotions in the publishing and so I had almost like shut down emotionally about the whole thing and then I saw my book and then you know yeah, that that's something to open that box and and see that book. That is something. I I I was grinning over here because you know that was the thing. By the time I sold my first book through an agent to a publisher, I was already on to the next project because it takes often a long time. I mean, I hear people wow. have first time out. That isn't what happened to me, and that's not what happened to the people I know. And and I think the ones who most often publish are the ones who keep at it, right? They keep getting better and keep working and meeting people. And yep. It, it, you, you put a lot of effort and work. I, I became a, what's called a network representative. So that basically means, you know, um, holding critique meetings for SCBWI. I did that from 2014 until this year. And um, so I was constantly improving my craft, constantly going to uh, conferences, constantly helping other people. Um, and so you just naturally get better the more you work at it. Um, and so I'm like, I've written novels. Hey, I've written novels. And I, I forget how impactful picture books can be to even adults. Um, and so I just kind of like was like, oh, I can't believe how many people are just like really read this book resonates with and it makes me happy. It warms my heart because that's the point, you know, that's the point. I'm just going to leave it there. That's the point. I mean, we change lives with, with books, the ones we read, the ones we write. And well, a lot of the times when we write, we're not just making up stories to make them up. These are, these are stories that resonate with us. These are stories we've lived and we're putting on the page so that someone else can, you know, laugh through their trauma or, or, you know, get some perspective on what they're going through, or maybe just share a little bit of joy. And a lot of times people don't remember that um, when they're talking about, oh, this didn't make sense to me. Well, someone's life is, is behind those words. You have to be, you know, we're always here for criticism and that's okay. But also remember that people are putting their hearts on the line in these books and, um, these stories mean something. I can barely talk about every other Christmas without a tear sometime because of, you know, how hard it is for me to miss out on some of, you know, my children uh, being with them during the holidays on some years. Uh, and then also me being a child of divorce. So it's, it's, it's told in a way that shows the joy of making sure your children uh, are loved by all. Um, but we all know that reality can sometimes not reflect that. And so I wanted to show that, hey, this can be okay. It can be okay. We can do this. And look at this child and how happy this child is. Let that be your focus. I think you brought up an important point, and I want to go back to it real quick. And that is, you know, 
everybody faces rejection in their life. But but writers, it's such a personal thing. When somebody comes in and you're writing from your life story, I write nonfiction books um, and I have a lot of personal stories in there. So if somebody doesn't like the book, it's really difficult to separate myself yeah. from those words sometimes. And so I wanna, that was my next question to you. Tell me a little bit about how you came from this life experience to write a book about it when you also write poetry and novels and other things. Why did this idea land into this form for you? Okay, so I'm gonna try to stay on track. Just a little caveat, I do have ADHD. So if I get off track, <laughs> what I'm talking, just rail me back in. We're good, uh, we're good. I'm going to be honest. 2017 is when I wrote this book. And I remember that because it was my year to have my children. I was super excited. I had, I'd probably gone overboard buying stuff. And literally Christmas Eve, I got very sick. I wound up in the hospital, <laughs> admitted, um, horrible asthma attack. Um, and I was there on Christmas Day. And I was so upset because that was the year I wound up going to Columbia later, but I was supposed to go to Columbia um, after, you know, Christmas. Like, I think I was going to leave the 26th. I didn't get to go. Um, I was with a Colombian at the time. And uh, so I'm laying in the hospital and all I could think of was, I'm missing this. I'm missing this. And I was crying and and then I thought my kids came to see me and they were happy. Um, they had open gifts with their dad and they were happy to see me and they were running through the hospital room and about to be put out. And I was just kind of laughing at them. And I was like, they're so happy, you know, they're so happy. And that's the point. And so I wanted to write that story to show that this is the point and it can be okay. And even if the parents feel like, you know, you miss your kids, um, and I think a lot of infighting can happen because of that. Concentrate on those children. It can be okay. They're going to miss you, but it can be okay. So that's where it came from, um, that moment. And I wrote that book right right at that time. I love writers because, yeah, I'm like, I'm laying in the hospital bed. I'm <laughs> feeling terrible. So I wrote a book. You know? <laughs> Everything's oh, material, yeah. right? Everything is material. Part of this program I talk about, I call them the dailies because I want people to understand what a writer's life looks like. And it's different for each of us. Like today, my daughter called in sick for her first class because she was feeling ill. So I got to run her to school the minute I get off this show. And then I'm setting up another podcast. Then I'm doing a newsletter that uh, actually it's called Simply Write on Substack. If you want to become part of our subscriber community, join right. us there because Katie is going to have some bonus information and material for us there too, which is awesome. So if you want to go in deep, join us in that community. But I'm working on that this afternoon. And then I've got an invoice and some billing to do. And then this afternoon, I hope to get to my fiction project. And that's just a lot, right? Every job has a lot, but I think sometimes we're uh, absorbed by this myth that, oh, I'm a writer, so I'm gonna just sit around and write and drink coffee all day, and it's gonna be so great, and it's just gonna flow. I'm I'm juggling about 10 other aspects of the job today. What, what does your day look like, Katie? Oh, man. So yeah, my day looks like that a lot. Um, yesterday, I got up at 6.30. I went to sleep the night before at two o'clock, which I'm 
I'm supposed to be getting better at. I got <laughs> up at 6.30 to make sure my son's hair looked like something before he went to school. He's 16, but sometimes he's like, mom, I need you to help with this. Um, and then I immediately just started working. I have to make social media posts. I have to schedule appointments. Um, I have to, you know what? I've got my calendar here. <laughs> like, I, like I was telling you earlier, I thought that um, I have two podcasts today and a book reading at a um, activity center in, you know, um, a low income area. And so that's just today, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I thought that I have the date wrong, but really I just have the wrong podcast. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Um, so I made it right on time because I'm constantly like forgetting what am I supposed to be doing? And yes, I have everything in my phone, but I still confuse myself. So it's, it's sure. really, it's really weird. But yeah, so constantly meeting with people, um, trying to get my book in stores, trying to set up uh, appointments so that I could do book signings. Um actually writing, talking to my agent, um, making editing uh, decisions on my manuscript, um, throwing pitches out there at the last minute. She called me last time. She's like, hey, I need a pitch for this book because she's, you know, working on selling other books of mine. Um, so it's just like constant, um, constant work on your craft, constant work uh, within a community. And then I'm a parent. So my kid has fencing and I actually have to feed him sometimes and, um, <laughs> and myself, like it's, it's a lot, do laundry. And so you, you mix all that together and writing is definitely much more than, you know, sitting around and sipping and, and relaxing. It's, it's hard work. It's tedious work also because drafting a book, not so bad. Editing, um, I use a software called Pro Writing Aid is one and it, it will tell me, oh, you use the word could. Fine. Let me look at everyone to see do I use this? <laughs> and that's just one word. So um, it's definitely, uh, my days are definitely full and uh, I do try to spend time with friends. I do try to call a friend a day, um, but sometimes I even have to like put it in my calendar. Hey, go talk to your mom. <laughs> You know, because I know. Look up, it's nice. So yeah, it's it's definitely a balance. I can totally relate to that. I often feel like the skills needed in all the other aspects of my writing, the development, the pitching, the correspondence to agents and publishers and sources are so, and the parenting that I'm doing too, and the marriaging that I'm doing, those skills require a different part of me than the writing itself. So there are times when I'm feeling really fragmented because writing a letter or or doing a podcast or doing the correspondence with with the people at the press or whatever that is different than where i need to be in my mind when i'm actually getting the words out yeah it's mentally exhausting and sometimes i don't have anything left to give also i used to work full-time i worked for the federal government and so you know you add that into everything and by the time i'm done with my job um, my outside job i'm so exhausted that i just literally have nothing else to put into my writing career you know now I did stop working out, uh, outside the home and that has helped but my date is still full so you can just imagine you know yeah for those writers we we see you the ones who have full-time jobs and they feel like this is impossible you can do it you just have to really manage your time and really be okay with a little bit adds up to a lot just a little bit 
I think that's a huge point to make. Manage your time and make some forward progress. There have been days when the fiction work I'm doing, I've only gotten, you know, a few words or I I made notes about the next point I want to cover or whatever. But you got to celebrate that because that's better than nothing, right? That's makes a whole book one day, those little moments of time. I call it letting it marinate. Like mm-hmm. I've got a book that I'm about to start drafting that I started like seven years ago and it was just too big for me at the time. I'm like, this has got way too much going on, but I've been thinking about it through the years and it's all coming together in my mind. So sometimes letting things marinate counts as writing. <laughs> I absolutely totally agree. Okay. We're going to take a break on simply write with Polly Campbell and Katie Odie today. When we come back, we're going to talk shop for a minute, talk about the children's market, some things that we need to know about that. If we're interested in crafting a picture book and I'll share with you my what's in the desk segment, my favorite office product for the week. This one is going to surprise you. We'll be right back on Simply Write with Polly Campbell. And we're back. This is Polly along with Katie Odie, the author of the children's book, Every Other Christmas. Yes. Yes. Katie, you've mentioned you've written novels, you're flat on your back in the hospital room, and you launch into this great idea for a children's <laughs> book. It's a topic that many families can relate to about switching homes over the Christmas holidays and other times. How did you shift from novel writing into the children's market? And what, what drove you to do that? What do we need to know about that transition? My novels that I've written, uh, I've got a young adult, so I guess it's still considered a children's book um, and a couple couple of middle grade. Middle grade is actually my sweet spot. I love middle grade because I have that, um, I have a silly personality really. And so I get to portray that in the books that I write. Um, picture books sometimes, you know, to me, it depends on the topic and how I can tell the story. Does the story need to be longer Um, A lot of the times with me, it's an authentic way that the story develops. So um, I like to write for children because children are so open and they, they see everything in the world and they soak it all in. And this is a time that you can give them really great messages. Um, And also I loved books when I was younger. I learned how to read when I was three and I absolutely devoured books. So All of those things are the reason why I write for children and I enjoy writing for children Um, and just telling great stories to minds that are open enough to. What is a word count for a a book like Every Other Christmas? Picture books in the industry, they like them to be under a thousand words and then ideally like half of that. So I think that people misunderstand how difficult it is to tell a full story with so few words. and then leave room for the pictures to also tell a story. So it, it's not as easy as, oh, I can write this. And, and no, it's it's difficult. You have to make the right language choices. You have to make sure that every word counts, um, packs an impact, uh, packs a punch, and does not overly repeat. And, you know, like I said, doesn't drag on too long. So I think writing short is absolutely the hardest kind of writing I do when I write nonfiction. I, I'd rather write a long article than a 500 word article. It's really demanding because of what you're saying. 
Exactly. Exactly. That's why I like novels, honestly. <laughs> but I do have several pictures. I've written a lot of picture books. And, you know, it's a it's a it's a fun feat when you can get it down. I think I wrote one that was like two hundred words in my wow. critique chair. They were like, "Wow, I can't believe you got this this long." I'm like, I know, right? So it, it's it's definitely a good time when you can master it, but it's not so much. Uh, a good time trying to get there. So. Well, I know you're also a poet. Do you think the sparse language, I mean, poetry is so rigorous because it is about choosing the right word in every moment and, and capitalizing on these observations. Do you think that helped you in children's book writing or what, or vice versa? It did help me. And, uh, you know, poetry, I started writing poetry, I think in like junior high or high school. Um, I was very much a person who's uh, emotional about like everything I see. And sometimes it's easier for me to put those thoughts in a song or a poem. I'm a music fanatic. And so, you know, songs and poems, they, they, they're, they're basically the same thing. And so uh, I have a song for every moment in my life in my head. I'm that much of a music fanatic. And so it just was a natural transition to me to write uh to be able to write in fewer words. I have a poem that starts, I'm more than my gender, I'm more than my race. I'm deeper than the pigment that colors my face. It's like, that says a lot with just those few words. It, it, it tells you the theme of the poem. It tells you all you can you know, know about how I feel about myself without me saying, everything I just said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. I, I think um, it's so cool when you have a moment where you know you just hit it. You know, where you just find the right word or you say it the right way for what you're trying to convey. Sometimes in my writing, I'm having these big personal experiences and I can't find a word big enough for what I'm feeling. So I have to step back from it for a day or a week or a year or whatever. And it emerges back out until I know how to say the word, when you see it, it will, you will feel it, right? You'll be like, oh, this is it. This is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, sometimes not, but. It's there. I use it. I like that you just said that because sometimes I feel like what I'm doing is so intuitive and it sounds wacky because there are there are craft techniques. There are things and tools that we can use to get better. But sometimes it just comes down to going through all that until you feel that right, because it has to carry that emotional residence for our rears. I also think office products are important. I think one reason I became a writer was so I could buy like paper and pens and stuff. I have a drawer of notebooks. My family knows, do not touch my notebooks. I actually buy <laughs> giveaway notebooks so they will leave my notebooks alone. Yeah. And they can sit there for three years, but one day I'll open that drawer and one will speak to me. <laughs> I am I with you. And like, I have a bag of colored pens and highlighters and it just makes me happy. I'm writing with purple today. I'm writing with, you know, maroon. So it's, um, it's the small things like that, that just bring me joy. I'm going to be honest. It's the small things. And that's what's in the desk segment today. And what's in the desk is oddly not a pen, but it's the scotch tape roll <laughs> that comes in this little tiny wedge and it has like double stick tape and I was having post-it problems and I just started sticking stuff in my notebook that I needed to add and now I'm like and my husband is like oh god do we really need one more office product but uh <laughs> yes yeah, so what's in my drawer today is the scotch tape roll 
and I think they're like six bucks. And then you refill them with tape and you just stick everything to the walls, your post-its, whatever. So you can see your index cards or your notes. Do you write like that? I, I mostly write in a notebook notes and then on the computer. Do you do the index card thing or post-it? Me keeping up with index cards would mean I would never have a book. I definitely am a notebook person. I have a notebook for everything I want to do uh, because they're special like that. Um, so I do like, a, I'm a pantser as far as like when they talk about whether you outline or, or go by the fly by the seat of their pants, but I will jot down like the general direction I want to go in. If that answers your question, more of a notebook person. So you like the hand on the paper bit. Yes. Me too. I Me love too. that. I love that. Especially with poetry, um, children's books, the, well, the picture books. Um, even if I'm writing a novel, I would rather write down my points first before I pull out my laptop because laptop is just not as personal uh, to me the feeling of what you know conveying what I want to say on the page that's how I do it too yeah I, I want to see it I want to see the notes and then I I write it actually into the computer or I'll write a paragraph here or there but then I'll throw it into the computer and, and go yeah. from there yeah uh, interesting all right you alluded to it I always get nervous when people ask me this question so now I'm asking every writer on the show so get ready <laughs> okay. What's next? What are you doing? You mentioned that you have some things in the works and, and what are you working on? Well, I have, you know, I my time is split between me as an author and me as a publisher. Um, I actually oh, started an independent publisher, publishing company called Phoenix Media and Books. And we're in the process of putting out our first book called Sister, which is a foster to adoption story. So I'm right. super excited about that. As far as me as a writer, I'm hoping that, you know, another one of my stories gets picked up. Um, that would be lovely. And I'm also working on an epic fantasy uh, oh. adult. So I'm excited about that. I have actually I'm working on like three projects at once, but we're not going to talk about why I do that. <laughs> but you're all over the board too. I mean, over, epic I mean fantasy I'm novel for adults. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A young adult fantasy. Um, and also have some superhero, uh, a superhero story, uh, middle grade that I'm working on. So it's, it's a lot. Before we sign off, tell me how you do that. Do you touch on each project every day? Do you go in spurts? This month is the, the young fantasy novel. Do you, how do you manage that? I go with what I feel like uh, organically. So I may be really interested in getting words down for um uh, the superhero story. So then I'll, I'll write on that. Um, and then if I get stuck, remember how I talked about letting things marinate. Okay. Well, you're going to marinate over here and, Oh, I've got this idea for this chapter and this, uh, fantasy. So I'm going to work on that. And that's how I wound up with so many books. Honestly, um, I've written 10 altogether, sometimes multiple books at a time. I know it's weird, but that's just my process. And <laughs> it works for me. It you works know? for you. And I think that's it. You know, we talk about rules of craft and tech Technique. But the bottom line is make your own. Find out what works to help you get the work done, right? The writing done, ultimately. Absolutely. Don't try to, I, listen, I'm ADHD. I have a lot of children. I have things going on. Just like it, your life might not look like mine, but your life is your own. Do things that work for you. It doesn't, if someone gets a six-figure book deal and then they say, well, this is how I did it. Well, that worked for them. It's not a step-by-step -step guide on how to live your life. And that's, that's, that same thing goes with writing. 
Yeah, I agree. And one reason I did this podcast was because for me, it is a lifestyle, like to be a writer, to be a mother, to be the other things that we are as people in this world, you've got to create a lifestyle. My work has to support my life. My life has to support my work. I've got to be able to do it how I do it. You should bring you joy. I mean, sometimes right. it brings you frustration, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> overall, I get great joy in what I do. And so that's why I keep doing it. I love that. Great place to end. It should bring you joy. It's a privilege to be able to do this work. That doesn't mean it's not hard, but it means it's worthwhile, especially when you're telling stories like every other Christmas. I think that's a world changer. I think these ideas help us see ourselves in our community in a way that helps us process our experience. And, and that's a gift, Katie. Thank you for being here. Where can we find more of your work? You can uh, visit my website, Katie Odie Writes, K-A-T-I-E-O-T-E-Y Writes dot com um and keep up with me or follow me on social media at katie Odie writes on twitter instagram and facebook all over the place watch for her next work coming up katie Odie, and buy this book i think it's important for us to recognize what's going on in families all around us and see ourselves in the writing you can find me at polycampbell.com and also join the community of subscribers at simply write on substack we have q a's from authors including katie coming up there and we have um bonus material we go in depth and weekly assignments and you can comment and i'll offer feedback and that kind of thing if you want to be part of this group i think both katie and i have talked about before how important it is to create a community of people who are compelled and interested and passionate about the things you are if writing is for you join us there katie thanks for being here thank you for having me i appreciate it and i love this super fun i loved it too and remember flannery o'connor said i write to discover what i know now it's your turn sit down get to work and get writing remember simply write hi i'm mark and i'm peter we're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electrocast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electrocast. Trick